Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Robots and spaceships, I can't decide. I've oh, got a, my. i got a, a bag here, like in case I start to hyperventilate. <laughs> Good. There's a reason for that, folks. Uh, also joining us is your co-host, Hunter. What is going on, everybody? I I am so, so super excited for tonight. Like, you guys don't understand the level of intensity of the two legends that we have with us on the show tonight. I I might I might need to find myself a paper bag. Jim, you got any extras cuz I'm I'm all out. Yeah, it's, this is guys, we have I'm I'm going to be honest uh our guests, we have some legends with us today and I'm I'm not using that word lightly. Joining us from I hope I said this right, Breda in the Netherlands. Breda. Breda. <laughs> Ray Da, yeah. Ray Da. Uh, David Westman, lead designer at Impeller. No. Uh, lead designer at Impeller. It's Impeller Studios, right? It's That's what the name is. Yes. Okay. At Impeller Studios. Uh, if you guys don't know David, he worked on a little thing called X Wing, TIE Fighter, X Wing versus TIE Fighter. You know, just, just a couple little ditties. Uh, also joining us from Savannah, Georgia. But how are things in Savannah, uh, by the way? We survived the Category 3 Ion oh. Storm. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so, uh, you, so your shields were down for the weekend. Uh, there are no such things as shields. So, <laughs> Oh, here we go. Uh, joining us from Savannah, Georgia, Project Director at Impeller Studios. Jack, oh, God, I didn't ask you how to say your last name. Is it Mamace? Mamayas. Mamayas. I'm sorry. I'm, guys, you really All don't right. understand because Jack worked on Mech Warrior Two Mercenaries and Heavy Gear Two, which are probably my two favorite mech games of all time. And and you know David worked on the is it the entire X Wing series, if I'm recalling yeah. correctly. Yeah, all four of yeah. the X Wing games. Uh, so we love you, David, and we hate you. Just just throwing that out. There. <laughs> yeah, not Jedi Starfighter, right? Just the X Wing. Oh, just the X. <laughs> You know, Jedi Starfighter you know actually so isn't Ryan, that bad. So Ryan, Brian and, and, and Jim over here are not as big a fan of X-Wing Alliance like I am. I actually appreciated X-Wing Alliance. Just just throwing that out there. It, no, I like X-Wing Alliance just fine, especially with the texture upgrade stuff and the new models. Yeah, and I, I like X-Wing Alliance beautiful. after you get away from the family. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> great it, job, Ace. <laughs> yeah, it had, a, it had a lot of nice feature upgrades that actually ha- impacted gameplay. Uh, the story was a bit of a struggle. Uh, the engine was long in the tooth, too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it was... Uh, no, it was during X-Wing versus TIE Fighter that uh, Peter Lincroft, the engine programmer, uh, <laughs> remarked out loud one day, Oh my God, this is from... this." bit of code is from Battlehawks 1942. No, no fucking way. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to curse less. But really? Battlehawks? Oh yeah. my god. Uh, probably oh probably had some scum engine in it or something, right? <laughs> no, no. No, that was that was purely Lucas. Larry Larry so, did his own engine. So Dave oh. is actually part he's responsible. He's like an enabler for the whole Star Citizen project, right? Because if you hadn't made Battlehawks, then Roberts wouldn't have been able to turn it into Wing Commander. That is true. And, and, you know, so yeah. So, so yeah, you, you also yeah. worked on Battlehawks and Secret Weapons of the Luftwaffe. Am I remembering that correctly? 
Uh, I was a tester on Secret Weapons of the Luftwaffe, which is okay. how I finally met Larry uh, and uh, went out of my way to make a good impression and convince him to hire me because when I realized that uh, the flight combat games were being made by somebody who was not a Lucas employee, I, oh, well, I want to work for him. So I made right. that my mission in life. Now, 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 friends, I want to tell you, we are going to talk about Starfighter Inc., if that's what you're here for. I promise you we are going to get to it. But <laughs> seriously, we've been wanting to talk to these guys about the like our childhood for a while now. So please indulge us while we just get this out of the way, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's like but, quite, so... quite, quite literally, quite literally, my, my gaming experience mm-hmm. growing up started... Like, I, I didn't really have a computer myself growing up until I was probably about 16 or 17. But I I started my computer space sim experience with X-Wing Alliance. And uh, from there, that opened up the door to go, oh, there were more before this. And I played all of the X-Wing games. Mm. And then I also stumbled upon a little game called Earth Siege 2, which opened up the door ah. for me to realize that there are other games like Mech Warrior that were, you know, better um, <laughs> as games. <laughs> and so, uh, quite, quite literally, you know, this is like literally my childhood. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you might even be my first game. I bought my computer for X Wing, uh, my first <laughs> PC. And uh, I think that had to be like around 1992, maybe. Mm-hmm. When yeah, did X-Wing come out? Uh, early 93, actually. So it had, to be, it had to be like six months after that. It made me buy my first computer. So Dave's my hero, too, guys, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, your games literally took a, a bunch of us through very formative years of our youth and college days and whatnot. So we do need to geek out about that a little bit. And so I appreciate Absolutely. your indulgence. Please do. Well, so uh, I'm sure you'd love to hear about what we didn't do that I, I wanted to do uh, oh, during ooh. TIE Fighter. Oh, do tell. Uh, Peter and I uh, were looking at the map mode and uh, we'd been playing a lot of RTS games in the office and we looked at each other and said, you know... We could we could put a an RTS mode in art into Tie Fighter, <laughs> and we both like yes, and rush off to Larry. I said, Larry, Larry, can we put an RTS mode in? And he's like, No, we don't have time for that. <laughs> I was like, uh. So I actually, I, I when I did the design for X Wing versus Tie Fighter, the idea was that there would be some sort of strategic layer that would play like an RTS, and then you'd resolve tactical battles with the flight sim. And uh, that was that was also ruled out. And the reason for that was that we didn't have enough time was because we had spent the first five months of that development phase uh, working on a Millennium Falcon game. That was awesome. And, what? Yeah. The third game was going to be a Millennium Falcon game. It was going to have actual run and gun inside ships and platforms. And uh, yeah, about five months into it, we we'd created a, a storyline that had one character that was modeled on Han Solo, so you'd be basically a smuggler, and the other was modeled on Boba Fett, so you'd be a bounty hunter, and their paths would intertwine, and it would feature the those types of ships. But 
we realized that our team was too small and we did not have enough time to do that project justice and and the fan expectations would be through the roof and we knew we'd fall short so we just yeah okay the smart thing here is let's let's do something we know we can do well <laughs> and uh that thus was born x-wing versus tie fighter and uh, the focus on multiplayer was in direct response to the overwhelming desire of fans who kept asking for multiplayer. So, okay, we'll give you multiplayer. Now, I have to be... So, in the... In- oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to ask real quick, in the engine, is it still available for an RTS cap- capabilities, or...? No, no. Um, I tried again with X-Wing Alliance, and because I knew that was possibly our last hurrah... And LucasArts had imposed a tight deadline that we had to have the game ready to be shipped before the Episode 1 movie came out, which gave us like an April deadline. And if we missed that, they would sit on it until September uh, because LucasArts marketing was convinced that Star Wars fans would get confused if there was new Star Wars product at the same time there was classical Star Wars product, and how would they know? So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, oh, oh, come on. But I, yeah, seriously, and so I thought, well, let's let's miss the early date. Let's give ourselves time for additional polish, and then maybe we can get my RTS mode in. And Larry's was. No, we we cannot afford to do that. <laughs> we need to ship this title on time. I so, do have an RTS I'll, mode in Heavy so, Gear too. I do have an RTS you mode. You can imagine too. how thrilled I was when Homeworld came out and won all kinds of awards and critical acclaim. <laughs> oh, <God>! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh man! <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Disney on the phone and tell them Westman has an idea for you. I <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I I would love to do uh, another Star Wars game uh, for many obvious reasons, but Please. Starfighter is Please. way more compelling to me. To be honest, it's just Very it's the opposite. You, well, it's just like something that nobody's ever done before. You are you are like the Timothy Zahn of Star Wars games. You know that, right? <laughs> Thank you. I, I take that as high praise indeed, because uh, part of my job was to be the in-house subject matter expert, and I had to read every goddamn Star Wars novel, <laughs> comic book, RPG supplement. And, yeah, I've got uh, some fanfic I stuff. might want you to look over. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I've had enough. <laughs> I gotta say, the, the story, especially in TIE Fighter, was just... I mean... You took some. You took a thing that was hated, the Empire. You took a thing that was hated, and not only did you make them sympathetic, you made you made players like cheer for them as the game went on. Like, yeah, Empire. Like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, Larry's games, the World War II games, they all featured both sides of the war, and when we were doing developing Tie Fighter. We looked at it from that point of view of like, okay, well, if you were raised in Imperial Japan or Nazi Germany as a young man and you're a patriotic young person and you want to fight the good fight, all the propaganda is telling you that you're going to be a hero if you help us out with this. So that was sort of the guiding philosophy is look at it from that perspective. And 
Uh, it's funny. I was just reviewing some uh, article on on Tie Fighter and the story and the uh, the observation that you don't actually spend a lot of time fighting the rebels. <laughs> And that was deliberate. It was like, this is a galactic empire. And at this point in time, the rebels, they're annoying, but they're not like the dominant problem in the galaxy. There's all kinds of problems in the galaxy. Yeah, because the majority of their thing would be just like local police and like the, you know, the CPAN Civil War, right? Things like that. Yeah. So, well, and. And keeping an eye on your own officers to make sure they're not going renegade, which is a typical problem with authoritarian governments. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, right, and that was kind of what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm really glad that you got to do this before the prequels came out because otherwise, like your dialogue for Vader would have involved like whining about sand and stuff. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> I I wrote I wrote dialogue for Vader that was even darker. And they <laughs> they told me to tone it down. <laughs> I said, but but I thought he was the ultimate personification of evil. Why why would you want me to tone it down? <laughs> Kids play this game, Dave. Kids. Oh <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> but I, I have to be honest about something. When when X Wing versus Tie Fighter first came out, I I wrote it off because I was expecting more Tie Fighter. I only realized later how ahead of its time it was, not only in in its netcode and how it handled multiplayer, but how it handled just how it handled everything. Really, it had built in, it had all these features that many games today still don't even have, like the co-op campaigns yeah. and and all that. It's amazing. I we it was frustrating when the when the first game came out. And the reviews were mixed. It was like, oh, the gameplay is awesome. This is the best multiplayer experience ever. But where's our goddamn story? <laughs> and we'd get slammed for that. And, and that was my fault because I vastly underestimated the importance of story to Star Wars fans. And I had convinced the team that we didn't need to put a story in. We're giving them multiplayer. What happens when you play multiplayer with your friends? You have excited conversations afterwards you tell your own story so here here's your your very own star wars storytelling kit uh that yeah that wasn't <laughs> you're, you're it wasn't you're seen too, that way you're too and, ahead of your time because people, so, people weren't but, ready for really it. but we but we knew we'd be doing an expansion so okay okay we heard you loud and clear here's your story driven campaign here's the best cutscenes we've ever done and oh by the way uh it supports eight player co-op so how's that which is amazing <laughs> And we've played with what at least five or six people in co-op in that the, in that campaign, and it is a blast. Yeah, and, except and, for that. Yeah, one. except for that. One. But <laughs> except what that I'm one. saying is, even like <laughs> what I love about that is, you guys even had a UI that was just so seamless. Even with multiple people, if you used a command that you would use on the AI, the other players would see it. Like you mm. know, attack this target oh, yeah, and stuff. Right. Just wonderful stuff that was. I have, I have to say again, just fantastically ahead of its time. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it's actually one of the areas that we're hoping to innovate with Starfighter and take take all of that design knowledge and push it further. So, did you guys uh, speaking of Starfighter? Did you guys get the music band to play a role in this uh, in this game? What I'm music saying, band? <laughs> oh come on, guys! The last Starfighter. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't even get uh, a hoot about the last Starfire. Tell you the truth, it doesn't exist to us, really. And wait, oh, wait, wait, sorry, wait a minute, sorry. wait a minute. See, wait, I had, I had, I had the build up there. We love that. Yeah, if, if, if you would have. If you would have said Robert Preston, I would have known who you were talking about. But you said the Music Man, so I wasn't sure who you were talking about. <laughs> Centauri, Billy <sighs> really, really Joel song. Cent- yeah, it's Centauri, <laughs> Centauri. Come on, welcome to Rylos, my boy. <laughs> I thought this. I thought, I thought the Death Blossom was a stupid idea. So I. I, uh, I oh, was a oh, fan of that it, oh, oh, that movie oh, does not hold know. up to to logic. But when you're a te- when you're a 13 year old boy <laughs> and you see that in the theater, it blows your damn <laughs> mind. Is what, is what yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cross that right off my Starfighter Incorporated want list. Then <laughs> Death Blossom is out. <laughs> yeah, we. We'll have by a the time. We'll have a different version of that. Um, the bombed, bom- pumped lasers are always a fun tool. And if if you uh, followed the strategic defense initiative research during the eighties, uh, well, we decided that we're going to make some of those things work. <laughs> you know, we had a guy on here. Uh, what about three episodes ago that worked on SDI? So, Very cool, yeah. Yeah, we could, and he wrote the software oh, yeah. for Venus he, he, Probe. And, he was the one who made uh, Starfleet. Yeah, the the DOS Starfleet game. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah it was all ANSI graphics. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, he, that was a great, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name, but it's, he was a great, Sorensen, yeah, Trevor, Trevor Sorensen, Trevor Sorensen. Yeah, he, yeah, he, knows, where the monolith, Star- he knows where the monolith is out on Europa. Was that based on Starfleet Battles? Uh, no, it was just—it was sort of a bridge thing, but not really. It, it was—it I mean, was—that's was, that's really a—that's really a great uh, paper pencil starship game in Starfleet Battles. It's really, really good. I have it right don't, over don't there say on my it shelf. Times Ken's going to show up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, every time I make a every time I make a, a game with space, I always consult that. Absolutely. No, the Starfleet games, yeah, just to, were to refresh, is, uh, remember those, uh, ASCII Star Trek games that were on mainframes mm-hmm. in the seven? It was a refinement of that. The first game was, it was a refinement of that formula. But the second game had planetary invasions and all kinds of crap. It was super ambitious. So that was a lot of fun. But, I want to switch gears for just a second, if y'all don't mind, and talk about some stompy stompy. With 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 Jack, <laughs> with, with, with Jack here, because, sir, I I I said I tried to say this in the, in the early part of the stream, but like Heavy Gear Two, I I said favorite mech game, but that game got me into the pen and paper universe, which is just amazing. The Heavy Gear pen and paper universe, yeah. I still have a I still have a bunch of books. I still have a bunch <laughs> of books. I've got all their books. I've got so many mech books. It's not all of them, because remember, you gave me about 15 of your heavy gear books. Yeah, I still have. I had copies of all those, dude. I had copies of all those. So So, they used to give me all the books that would come from all the companies. See, I was really fascinated with Gear Krieg. I thought that was That was another good one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was later. The alternate World War II. DreamPod 9, uh, the the interesting story about DreamPod 9 is like like... I told you guys earlier, it was a license that was kind of chosen. I wasn't consulted, even though I was like the guy running the mech games. 
I was a consultant for the next universe and they chose to here. And I was really surprised when I saw that license. Cause I was like, uh, you guys know the allure of our game is giant Godzilla style robots. And this is about small rounded squad based military tactics. And I did some research on it and I was like, uh, guys, you realize this is Botoms. So they had, I think they had actually taken a lot of inspiration from an anime called Botoms. So I would say, I would say more than inspiration. It was almost like, <laughs> I'm, I'm being paper. nice. I'm and, being nice. Wait, what's I'm it called? Nice. So when I actually, when I went up and met with them, cause like after I finished Mercenaries, Mercenaries was a big success for Activision and Heavy Gear One was not a great success. They, they had like a C rating and, you know, the sales were low. But I, I had a hard time telling them. I think it's more the license. I think, you know, we should have looked at, I, I told them we should look at Evangelion or uh, Gundam. Those were the, the giant robots I w- was interested in, right, during that time. And uh, it turns out that they came back to me and they said, okay, hey, what do we have to do to get you to have a gear two? So I, uh, you know, worked at Activision and I'm a company man and I, I made Heavy Gear 2, but when I did it, I went back to the drawing board and I looked at everything about it. And I said, the first thing we have to do is get off Terra Nova because Terra Nova is basically a very boring planet where there was a north versus south situation going on there. And I said, why don't we just blow up their most important city at the beginning of the game? I was with so an mad about that. Bomb, and let's, <sighs> let's get the two guys together and let's go attack some of the other planets. And I wanted... I wanted to make it where Caprice was just the first planet and they could go to, they, they have other planets out there in the universe. It's actually a cool universe when you, oh, when you yeah. dig below the surface. It's a cool universe where so, mankind so to, is, you know, go ahead. So to research this, did you go buy the Votoms box set and just indulge that? Because I noticed that you had, <laughs> you had zero G like in space combat. And Votoms kind of did some of that too, and it, and it almost looks. Yeah, but the ma- majority of the Votom stuff was ground based, so I took it to space, and we had we only had like three zero G missions right at the end. So that was like that actually was because I wanted to give a variety of encounter, which is a game design term. Well, yeah, nobody so people that before, right? So. so so nobody, I knew if we took it into space, then we would be having environments like like. In Heavy Gear 2, you had magnetic boots on, and you could lock to things. So you could go lock to, like, an asteroid and run around it and go upside down and use an asteroid for cover, right? And it was all zero-G. It was all real physics. So we, at that time, I was even experimenting with hard science fiction and hard physics in space because we, we still had to keep it loyal to the universe. So we had to still do that. But I wanted mechs in space. And the it turns out Caprice... They had mechs called Frames, and Frames were built more for space stuff. And Caprice, Caprice was more a space-faring planet because it only had like one habitable area, so they had a lot of stuff in space. So we really embraced that part of the universe and went for it, which I thought was much different from Botoms. And you know, it worked out critically on Heavy Year Two, but at that time, that came out in '99. Yeah. At that point. Uh, the space sims and all sims were dead. They were all dying, and everybody yeah. was moving to console games. So yeah. the only thing was like Colony Wars was doing pretty good on PS One, oh, but God. generally oh. all space sims like Falcon Four Point didn't sell. 
nothing sold. It was all it all free, died. Free PC space almost two. died actually. Free, free that, space two. Yeah. Free space two. One of the finest uh, space sims ever. Free space two. Uh, Thirty yeah, thousand copies. But yeah, thirty thirty thousand copies. Thirty thousand that failed. Yeah, that failed. And well, so that I, was, and I thought that game was really a, a, no, 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 a, was a brilliant compromise between the X-Wing series and the Wing Commander series. It totally kind of, was, yeah. I didn't like the mouse control. They took a lot of the Sim stuff out of it. I like Privateer. That was probably next to X-Wing. Mm-hmm. X-Wing is my, obviously mm-hmm. my favorite space Sim of all time. Privateer is my second favorite space Sim mm-hmm. of all time. That's a good choice. And That's a solid choice. A huge huge influence on mech two mercenaries so we definitely looked at privateer when we were playing it we like how would privateer be and we took more of the mercenary angle and less a, a less linear approach than they did but uh it, you know they had some great stuff have you seen the mod for free for freelancer that converts it into star wars because it's shockingly good they're not done with it it's still very early alpha stuff but I, I played the Discovery Freelancer mod like on the regular a couple times a week, and uh, I'm still playing Freelancer because it's the only thing that's like that. It's the only it's the only space MMO I can give a shit about actually. <laughs> um, and they, you know they, they got a server. I think it's in Germany. There's like 80 people on it 24 seven, and uh, and it's fun. You know because I, I, I can I can be a truck driver in space and get shot at by pirates, and that's really all I want to do. So. I used to play a lot of mod games, but it became so hard to keep up with them and make it going. And the audience was so small, and I have really limited time these days. I'm I'm a full time college professor, and I'm making Starfighter Eight basically in my spare time. So yeah. uh, I I can only play. I really have to choose carefully the games I play. Like right mm-hmm. now, I think the only thing I'm playing is. Clash Royale on my mobile phone, which is unbelievably great. Talk about a great RTS. If you guys haven't checked that out, it's unbelievable. And I play a lot of World of Warships. I've loved that. And it's for me, it's a major inspiration for our game, is World Tanks, World Warships. And I play a lot of League of Legends, which is also a lot of uh, inspiration for our game. We've taken a lot of their, um, the way they have micro-tuning to the characters, and we've, we're we really exploring that in our ships and our games. So, so, the, I try so to, the, world, the World of Warships angle, right? Because you're a fan of that. Hunter and I love it. Um, we haven't played it in a while, but it's, you know, when we do, it's great. But the, the thing about that game, um, have you played fractured space any, because that's kind of world of warships in space. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering with your game, can I jump? This is why I say we're, we were counter-strike meets world of warship because we are all from, we've always been from a first person perspective and that's part of the realistic aspect of it that if anything you see through your helmet, you can see drone cameras and stuff like that. But you're a piece of meat inside of a inside of a tin can, and that's the danger, right? If you get killed, if your pilot gets killed, you're dead. And we're going to let them eject, and we're going to let them try to keep themselves alive however they can. But when you're and also, I think when you're playing it from a first person perspective rather than looking at it from an outside perspective, like World of Warships and World Tanks, which I love those games. But they're lacking in immersion for me, right? I always feel like I'm a general sort of ordering stuff from afar rather than I'm part of the action. So that's why we always, and when it when VR started coming down the pipe, you know, even though we started designing this game three years ago, we were 
everything that we had designed worked perfectly in VR because we were already a first-person perspective. So you were a pilot sitting inside a ship. So that's where we're sort of different from those two. That's why I like to say it's Counter-Strike meets World of Warships. That was one of our original elevator pitches for this. Right. So you guys started working on the game three years ago. What what brought it all together? Like How four years ago. Oh, four and so, a half years wow. ago. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a while. This uh, is a huge design process. So basically you saw you kid. saw the Star Citizen Kickstarter and you're like, hey. No, I'm kidding. We were working on this before Star Citizen. <laughs> I know, actually. I know. I'm kidding. But so. it was around 2012 <laughs> well, when, that, when things yeah, started fair, really come back, you know? Yeah. Well, and it was it was interesting because Star Citizen's success uh, proved <laughs> that there was well in uh, getting lots of money uh, that showed that there was definitely the demand and uh, just the competitive product analysis phase showed that there was about two dozen space combat games in various stages of development. Uh, oh. Well, we had this idea came before we had heard of Star Citizen for sure. Right. Well, yeah, the the guys that started Impeller Studios, uh, it was basically because they wanted to recreate those great cockpit shooters from the '90s, and so they started building a studio around that idea. Jack came on board and brought all of his experience and expertise, and uh, just a chance encounter with me at GDC. Uh, and you know they said, "Oh, we're doing a space combat game," and I'm like, "Really? <laughs> well, I've worked on a few." And they're like, "Oh my and god!" Then my, and then the great, my greatest blessing and greatest curse joined the team on that day, which was, yes. I told Dave, "Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this hard science, which means three degrees of free, right? You know, just the top level things that you think about with hard science fiction, which is, you know." Uh, you know, three, you know, your ship keeps moving and the, the, the really basic Newtonian stuff. And Dave's like, actually, I have another idea. So we're going to do real hard science. That means if it's not on the drawing table, then we shouldn't do it. And, uh, and I, you know, we had huge arguments. So I was like, okay, here's the part where I want to say raise your shields. And he's like, uh, fuck you on the shields, dude. There, there's no shields. There's no <laughs> stealth. There's no faster than light. Uh, by the way, capital ships, the deck orientation is all wrong. So everything you guys have done is wrong. So that stuff <laughs> hit me like a ton of bricks, right? And we had to, we had to like start getting, we got a, basically we have a physicist, uh, Zach, who works with us from Beirut, amazingly super smart uh, guy. And he start and he's doing, he does a tech design on everything we do to start us off to say, okay, the weight of the ship and the propellant and, Here's where you store ammo, and it is so it creates so many gameplay possibilities that the constraint itself makes us totally unique from every any other space game that anybody's thinking about, right? Because well, everybody guy, else, that's the guy I got the like three day long uh, lesson on rocket math from, right? In the forum, yeah. Watch out for yeah. Zach, man. Watch <laughs> yeah. out for Zach. Well, uh, he got me passionate. reading Atomic Rockets, and now I know what's going the on. Atomic he's Rockets there. is Dave's thing. Dave's one that's, of the that rockets. is my Bible. Yeah, Dave, Dave said we have to use this as our Bible. And I started looking at it, my eyes glazed over because, like, really, truly, Dave is lead designer. He's kind of the mechanics of everything, and I'm his director needs to make sure it's fun. 
right? So we have to, both of us have to be able to look through everything. I'm also a graphics whore, so I yeah. demand graphics be unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so well, see, uh, my heart, my heart was broke though because I was like, I just want like. I want silent service in space. Can somebody make that? And then they point me to atomic rockets, and it's like, no, no stealth in space. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but there's there's misdirection, and there's decoys, and there's if you have a ship coming towards you, you don't know what's you don't necessarily know what's inside that ship. So it could be a, a huge decoy where you know shooters, fighters, ten fighters come out of a ship like a swarm comes out of it and you had no idea right by that time yeah, it's too late style, huh? it creates yeah. well, huge amounts of strategy like you've never seen go ahead Dick. yeah the uh that yeah that was one of my um issues was some of the mission scenario ideas had things like and then suddenly out of nowhere these pirates appear kind of thing it's like no no everybody sees yeah. where everybody is i designed that it, mission they got shot down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so yeah, there are literally thousands and thousands of sensors scattered all through the solar system and everything's tracked. So where the surprise comes in, and this is a, a, a extrapolation of current developments with 3D printing. The military is now 3D printing spare parts. There's some companies proposing to 3D print drones on demand. And, well, if you can do drones and spare parts and munitions, then the fact that you know that I'm coming and I have a ship of a certain size and a certain drive capability, but you have no idea what I'm carrying and what I might be shooting at you. So they'll. Yeah, so when players get into a mission, uh, one of the first things they do is read the contract, find out what the mission objectives are, what they're up against, and then based on their personal preferences and play style, they'll decide what their armament actually looks like. And so when you actually enter the battle, there'll be a lot of surprises. Right, you'll, but you'll, you'll already be committed with a certain ship. And you'll yeah. be like, oh, wow, it's like League of Legends. If you go in with League of Legends with somebody that's all anti-magic, and a physical guy hits you, you're dead instantly, right? And ours will be similar to that, where yeah. you can do rage, you know, you can do some kind of armor that may help against a certain type of damage. You know, if you came in with lasers, that's obviously going to do thermal damage, and if a ship has a lot of radiators, they can bleed off that damage. So how do you configure your ship? What sort of things are you going to do on your ship in multi-role function? Like, this guy's job is to pick up pilots that are stranded right and make them gunners and this guy's job is to carry fuel around if, if we need that so we're really exploring by by constraining ourselves so hard with hard science we we've had to create a whole host of new gameplay mechanics to make it more fun i really like the uh the multi-role thing you just mentioned it reminds me of another uh, multiplayer uh, space game from back in the day called allegiance <clears throat> If you guys recall that one, that was Which that is was still right around two thousand. Yeah, it was yeah, by Microsoft. It's still running. Microsoft they, published it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I for some reason it escaped my notice when it first came out. You're not. And I only there. read about it later, and I'm you know reading the whole list of features, and I go, oh my god, this game sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it's does. like if you're familiar with natural selection for the people out there that maybe have played natural selection, right? So you have you have one person on the team that's the commander and he's playing an RTS and everybody else that's playing on the team is actually his units. 
So he controls what facilities get built, what upgrades happen, and what equipment you get. And then the individual players just grab a ship and go do. But he can put orders, you know, waypoints out on the map, like attack here or defend there and, and stuff. So we're gonna, we're gonna have some limited aspects like that where you can you'll be a squadron leader and you can work with another. Mm. You can work with people in your squad to give them orders. And we've actually got ways that they can actually sort of hook up together and just have one guy flying where they can fly in formation, and other pilots can do other things while they're doing that. So we're, you know, we're, we're coming up with some crazy stuff. That's for sure. So what will, what are some of the different scenarios you can play around in? Is it territory capture? Is it capture the flag? Is it like just a, is it a MOBA style match? Uh, Cause I've, I've been looking around trying to get a real good idea and I'm just curious uh, what kind of matches we can play against each other. Well, most of the encounters will be, really fast um and one thing we're looking at is uh, a distortion of time uh that Ooh. you're accelerated in when when you're in combat so your perception of the the speeds is essentially what normal humans would perceive as normal speeds but the the situation every scenario has to make sense so where it takes place what's what is being fought over and by who has a backstory. So it's all logical. And the whole standard uh, list of typical military types of missions, whether you're doing some sort of raid, you're doing force recon, you're escorting something, uh, protecting something, all of these basic ideas can be explored in a, million different ways based on the setting and who's involved and working with the orbital dynamics of how you know if you've got ships in orbit around saturn and you've got a force coming from outside of that system it's likely that it's going to be uh sort of a hit and run type of thing so there'll be limited amount of, of maneuvering you're not going to get the typical fur balls in a lot of these missions some of the missions you will but some of them will be more like you know two ships passing really quick and do you remember an old uh playstation game uh uh what was it called bushido sword it was this it's a sword bushido fighting. blade bushido blade bushido yeah blade. so a fight could last for a while or it could be over in seconds based on one yeah. player's tactics that's well, our counter-strike angle, too. So that's like counter-strike. Where- well, how do you solve the thing where it's like, I'm I'm coming toward you, right? Like, it, you know, it's an asymmetric thing, like you're defending, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm coming to kill the ship that you're escorting, and I'm not going to be approaching slow, right? So it, it's almost like I'm going to be in a retro burn trying to slow down so that I don't just whiz right past the target at... at like well, that's, that's the idea. You can't have maneuverability if you're going more than a certain speed. So you, in order to fight and do things and accomplish objectives, you've got to slow down and have people protect you. So yes, you can fly on past fast you want to, but to what avail, right? You're not right, going to be able to right. do well, well, I, mean, I guess like at the beginning of the mission, when it, when the, you know, this, the opening setup, is, is your ship already decelerated? So you're at a relative can, speed. I mean, that's, those are those are mission designer choices to make. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the forces, the different forces, might be in relatively uh, a lo- relative alignment in terms of speed and direction. Um, and those are the missions where you'll see a lot more uh, sort of traditional dogfighting uh, maneuvering. But other times it'll be like a head-on pass at very high speed. And so it'll, it'll be that, you know, perfect knife thrust. Uh, mm-hmm. And, well, in coordinating with the other guys, like uh, some of your force might have decided to do a massive deceleration burn uh, that's going to bring them into you know the, the close proximity of the target at, and basically match speed, while others in your force aren't going to do that at all. They're going to go through as fast as possible, minimizing the chance of taking any damage, and they're going to soften up the target for the other guys. Okay, so they so they just are kind of like almost like a a sniper shot that just whizzes past and you hit which can and you're gone. If they want to, they may they may decide to do that, and that. The other team may decide to just have heavy shifts that's waiting for them to shred them if they try that, right? So it's all going to be about yeah. what you choose to go in with. It's going to, so, and it, it can vary drastically depending on what you go in with. So fuel is a big thing, right? Oh, yeah. Fuel, okay. So yeah, as I'm flying, I'm going to be watching my fuel gauge, and, it, and it's basically when I get to bingo fuel, it's time to go. Because I'm not yeah. going to be able to get home otherwise, right? So, um, well, in in the approach phase to the target and the deceleration and stuff, I could see where you bolt a bunch of fuel tanks onto the ship, and and that lets you get there. But when it's time to fight, you jettison all that mass. We and also then, have ships that can launch you like a railgun, so they can go ahead and put you up to speed without you spending any uh, propellant. They'll, the ship will just launch you and send oh. you on your way, and then you're, you burning, you're burning the down. Like uh, be a pancake, right? We have a G-force indicator. If you accept, if you go faster than it, you uh, if you don't have the right yeah. equipment, you die. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and humans can actually withstand pretty high G loads as long as it's for a very short time, right? <laughs> so you'll be watching that, and you, we have the pilot himself has an air pressure reader. He's got a uh, uh, blood pressure indicator. He has a Geiger counter. All those things, he can die. He can die from heat. He can die from all those things if he's not careful. He's got a spacesuit on, but the spacesuit doesn't make him invulnerable. It just, you know, mm. gives him a little time and space. It doesn't really do and tells him what's killing him. Okay, so so the the railgun shot, maybe that'll be like in Battlestar Galactica when they fire him out the tubes. Yeah, you know, exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we've so, been using a lot of rail we've been mostly most of our battles and our testing has been with railguns. And lasers. That has been where we're doing uh, most of the, the heavy lifting. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I guess. Um, well, my brain locked up. It's the sort of rock paper scissors thing there. The uh, railguns turn out to be kind of the the best all around weapon. Uh, missiles can be devastatingly effective but they have to get through the anti-missile barrier and having a close-in weapon system that's a, a, a laser uh, it doesn't actually have to destroy the missile. It just has to destroy the seeker head. Yeah. So, so, why, so why don't I just build a ship that's a giant railgun and I just launch asteroids at who I want dead? <laughs> and, 
you you could do that uh which which would be a very effective way to target large facilities and that's actually one of our mission scenarios too things so that you, are relatively they, stationary but well and, and one of the things that we wanted to do in how we pace this game and how it builds uh we don't want it to be this like grandiose world war ii world war three right out of the gate that's something we want to build up to the 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 setting is it's corporate warfare um more extreme than you see today on the earth uh as we know it but not so dissimilar to what was going on uh, in the 1600s and the 1700s um so there's all kinds of violence that can be limited and the basically the, the agreement between all of these powers is to not escalate things to that mm-hmm. level. Uh, and you know, that it keeps things, I think reasonable. Uh, if we really wanted to get carried away, uh, we could have just insanely destructive weapons and, and it just wouldn't be fun. I mean, yeah, but right. we do have we do have we do have dial nukes, and that is pretty insanely destructive. Yeah, so. yeah, that's, that is actually one of my favorite parts of the game is is dial a yield nukes, um, and because the blast effects aren't really that significant unless it actually hits the ship, uh, it's the radiation effects, and you could have a me- a one megaton blast like five hundred meters away from your ship and survive it. As, as long as you've got the right radiation shielding. And we're, of course, extrapolating advances in uh, how we treat radiation sickness and a uh, little bit of genetic engineering in there as well. <laughs> yeah, so the, right. well, with the, the pilots and, and that, um, it, okay, so have you, I know it's like you've, you've seen the show The Expanse, right? Yes. That okay. is best so when that, that came like, out, we were like, "Wow, they made a, they made it still better game." <laughs> yeah, because that, that's what I'm kind of kind of feeling. And then you had posted before, Dave, um, that uh, you had played a little bit of that Children of a Dead Earth, and the, of course they're taking a, a completely different tack with it because their ships look like you know like chrome cigars, right? Yeah, and and it's it's your tube with guns on it, kind of thing. It's a, it's a little more like orbital World of Warships kind of deal um but it's all very plotted out and and you guys it's like you skip the plotting of the orbits and stuff and you just handle that last 10 seconds well there's a reason why we're doing that and it's kind of it's deep into our story and we probably don't want to go into full details of why our technology is the way it is but suffice it to say in our world corporations control everything and these battles are basically some an opiate of the masses for the future so that's kind of why we exist that's where our mercenaries exist in that in that space okay yeah i think so really violent reality tv show yeah yeah so what what's the um the campaign that you guys are talking about right because um it's like you're aware of titanfall right so they did a single player multiplayer campaign Thing where it was just like you hop in and it's like well whatever mission of the rotation we're in you know we're going to play through these 10 missions in order so you might join in the middle of mission 5 and it, and it rolls through the rotation right mm-hmm. um, 
but it's it's like well if it's a drop in drop out multiplayer thing and then you've got you know opposing teams and and stuff first off are you going to have pve just where some friends could get together and then we're just going to fight ai and go through the campaign instead of dealing with other players uh, because that seems to be very popular in a particular game called uh, Armored Warfare. More people play the PvE. It's World of Tanks, right? But then they put a PvE mode, and more people play the mm-hmm. PvE than against other humans. Well, well primarily, um, primarily we're multiplayer because we're a really small team, and there's no way we have the $50 million it would take to make a single-player Here's all this advanced AI. Here's all these new assets happening all the time. That was never part of our plan. It, maybe in the future it could be part of our plan, but yeah, that, they're more complicated than driving a tank, right? An AI no, we, a tank yeah, drive. it's it's unbelievably yeah. complicated. Now, 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 what we learned on the last Kickstarter is yes, there is a there is an audience, and they kind of got mad at us because we we said here's our game. It's sort of like by the guy who we actually said it's like World of Tanks. Tanks means Counter Strike, but it's done by the X Wing and Crisis guy. And X Wing and Crisis both had strong campaigns, so they expected us to say, "Here's this amazing space campaign that's going to be like you know Star Citizen." That was never our intention, but uh-huh. because people, we we always intended to make a single player tutorial because we, our ships are hard to fly and it takes you a while to get used to them. As soon as you get used to them, they're amazing and they're maneuverable and everything like that. But there's a learning curve. So we knew there had to be a, a, a fun, amazing tutorial that everybody could get into. And what we came up with during the uh, uh, Kickstarter is we're going to work to provide additional single-player content, and we're going to do that in the form of single-player reward missions that you'll unlock. That once you've played a certain amount of multiplayer missions and things have happened in our universe, and our universe is going to have a back meta story that's happening behind the scenes where Corporation A is by Corporation B. And after a certain amount of victories on A side or B side, the universe will change. So in a way, our universe is controlled by the players. But what we've added is there's going to be a single-player reward mission that they can go into with their friends and their squad. And for instance, like if there's a bunch of multiplayer missions, then there'll be a single-player mission that'll wrap up, you know, that'll be playable once it'll wrap yeah. it up and it'll set the pay, it'll set the next multiplayer thing. So in a way they so, get a little so is bit. So is the multiplayer campaign going to be like, you know, okay, so let's say it's red versus blue, right? Yeah. And, and we're on blue team. So there's a bunch of battles going on that's red mm-hmm. versus blue. And does that mean like the, like the, uh, the uh, battle line actually moves on the map based on the activity of a bunch of sessions? Or is it just like, Five of us join the blue team, and we're going to be in a mission that gets chosen. No, and okay, there's an overall structure that's happening to the game. So there's we've so got, there's a grand a, campaign map. We've got a five year every, we've got a five year narrative that we we know. Go ahead, Dave. If you want to? Yeah, well, because yeah, at first, because I mean, we're we're describing something that is uh, aspirational goals at this point. Uh, and we have uh, Russell DeMaria and Zach both are are working. Uh, to flesh out our story and our world and uh, create some storylines that we could explore as as the setting for a campaign. But initially, it's going to be a, a bunch of missions that we can build campaigns out of. And so, you know, and, t- and part of this is uh, for us to learn what works 
and to get the game out to as many people as possible as early as possible so that we can refine these systems and steer the further development in into the in more ambitious uh, ideas that we have uh, but yeah like jack was saying you know if we had 50 million dollars and we could hire a huge team we'd be tackling that stuff a lot sooner but because we're a small part-time team with no money uh, we'll we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was just trying to figure out the the deal of like where you said where it's going to be like a slow ramp up, you know, into yeah. the the hotter conflict. That's going to happen. If it's just, that's going to happen overall. Even if it's only multiplayer, we've got there is side A, side B. It's if you've ever heard of the game Pirates of the Burning Sea, where you would play for you'd be Dutch or English or Spanish. And they would eventually take over, one side would take it over and then they'd reset what they were doing. It's similar mm-hmm. to that concept. Where there, because we wanted to make sure, one thing I don't like about World of Warships and World of Tanks and Counter-Strike is you're never really going for a long-term goal. You're only doing me- medium goals, which is finish, you know, kill somebody and finish mm-hmm. the match. But you're never like, okay, when we win this, something happens. So we wanted okay. to address that by making... The players themselves are going to actually decide where the story is going to go. We're going to have multiple paths, but depending on side A, side B, or side C, or side D, then a new path, like Dave said, will mm-hmm. open up. And oh wow, corporation! This corporation just became ultra powerful because they secured the mining rights, you know, in this little sector of Saturn's rings. So now they're going to be the ones to beat, and everybody's going to start throwing people against them. So the next sort of missions are going to be. Go against these guys who are so. So if know. we have a squadron, right? And so does do we get a, a mission list? Like here's mm-hmm. here's the ten things you could choose to do right now based on what the red team's doing. Which one do you want to jump into? Yeah, and, you'll have a little bit of information about the missions coming up. No, hopefully there'll be a variety of multiplayer missions that'll be running, and you can choose. You know, if everything goes right, this is all caveat mm-hmm. on us getting different amounts of funding for different people. But, uh, yeah, you will, you could keep your squad together. And we kind of have it when you log into the game, you log into a hangar and we're going to let people log in to their hangars and float around and talk to each other and choose and think about stuff before they go into a mission and choose, let's take this together. Okay. Ah, Cause a big, a oh, big nice. problem that a lot of these games, like, well, just say like mech warrior, right? With, with mech warrior online, they decided, okay, we're going to do our community warfare thing, which was long promised and kind of under delivered. And so they said, okay, well, we're going to do this thing where we got these different planets and we're going to say like this planet is under attack, right? So then people can go queue up for that. And that would be fine, except that they also have have um, I, f- I forget what that algorithm is right where they match like basically like player skill ranking and stuff and they you know mm-hmm. they so they try to put you against people that are ranked about the same skill as you and because of that then you might sit there for like a half hour waiting to get right that's a, that's an ELO score and the way we're dealing with that is we're going to make it so if you want to take a bigger risk if you're not if you're not because everything we're going to attach a threat value to pilot skill, you know, the ship and everything. So when you're taking a contract, it's taking into account, okay, we can take a 500 threat level up to a 500 threat level ship here, but we're going to let it, since it's mercenaries, we're going to say, oh, you want to go in with a weaker ship or a stronger ship? You'll get paid less or you'll be paid more. 
So we're gonna okay. we're gonna make money balance out a lot of that. Stuff. Well, because because in, in a real war, I don't get to call the Russians and say, okay, well, we're gonna send our rookies, so you guys send some rookies too, right? So <laughs> no, it's kind of like you deal with who's no, there. But you know, there is behind the scenes stuff going on in every war, right? There's deals, there's backroom deals being made and stuff, and you know, there you you know how much people are going to go because generally Hitler knew what our gross national product was, right? He knew what England's gross national product was. So he could make decisions on the things he was making and what he was sending based on, I don't think they'll be able to counter with that, right? Or I need to have a treaty with Stalin because otherwise we're going to get overrun. So, right. you know, you have an idea because there's there's resources you're working with. And right. most we're wars end in bankruptcy, not destruction. And so that'll, he, be our, <laughs> that'll be our same thing. Everything's going to be about money and damage. And you're going to have, like... Intellectual the, property rights. <laughs> right, right. And the corporations themselves, they're going to establish where you're going to fight. And if you decide you're going to leave that area, they're going to make sure that your ship blows up or something bad happens to you if you're not towing the line, right? Because the corporations are just using... In our universe, corporations have all the power and they're using mercenaries to do little knife strikes just so they can get ahead of the game. And they're like, okay, we're going to take that. We've negotiated down to the point. We have to have that. We're going to send mercenaries in, right? We're going to pay people to do that. And you see that somebody, I read somebody, they said the SpaceX thing probably got sabotaged by mercenaries. Didn't I, uh, with the SpaceX ship that blew up, they they said, was that sabotage? So yeah, there was, there was some speculation, that. <laughs> right? That that's yeah. us, but it's in space with you know ships. I love a good conspiracy theory. I'll yeah. have to check up on that. So, one. so we are well, talking and, about. And one sorry. of the things I wanted to do was uh, have you know when when um, say Lockheed Martin uh, gets sued because it, they they got cheating on a government contract and so you know boeing manages to get a judgment against them that prohibits them from uh doing any government contracts in a certain area for a few years maybe forces them to give up a facility and they say no take it <laughs> so right. you know, those right. kind and, of scenarios they might, they might say, take it you know yeah you sue us for it and they're like we're yeah we're not going to sue you for it we're just going to come in and We'll deal with the consequences later, right? So, because we're yeah. going to take that. Come take I'm just so glad us. that you guys don't have like the space Russians versus the space Chinese and the, you know, where it's in, maybe it's in our, in our universe. Identity, but. Yeah, in our core, in our in our universe, they create governments if they want to control somebody. They would they would establish. They say, oh, maybe a democracy will work better, you know, on Europa, uh, you know, but definitely Mars needs a communist Marxist regime. So they would set it up based on what they need. And we think it'll go as far as religion too. The corporations will use religion to control people and make them do what they want them to do. So in our world, it's absolutely the most cynical fucking world that's ever existed, right? It's corporations have, they've they've got, they've got everything that they've been scheming for in every movie you've ever seen. (laughs) They're always scheming to do it. And we're that plus 50 years, right? So that's kind of the backstory. Well, in the current current political climate, I can see this outcome. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I was actually... In one of our darker moments, we were thinking it might be funny if if you have a mordant sense of humor. 
the as a as a mercenary pilot, you sign up and you're under contract, and all of your equipment and all of everything you need to survive and live is provided you to you by the company. So you live in the company town, you shop at the company store, Ooh. you use the equipment they give you, you go out on a mission, and you don't do so well. The, your ship gets pretty messed up. You come back, and they're like, well, that's just going to be tacked on to uh, your your bill. So you'll be working for us for another couple of years. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that idea. Well, that's the thing. If you had a if you had a um, a mercenary group like if you start you know let, let's say we have like a clan a guild whatever and and we play together do we would we actually like share here's the pay bucket this is the money that we mm-hmm. have and this is what we buy yeah. equipment and ships and well when, when you sign a yeah. contract in our game you're making a predetermination of is this how much percentage of salvage am I going to get because we're going to have a a huge concept of salvage how mm-hmm. much did the you know did your consumables cost. Because that's going to be a massive cost. Your repair will that be, you know, uh, amortized among, among the clan. All that stuff will be your accepting contracts. And maybe some people want to take more risks than other people. So mm-hmm. we're going to let that float. Yeah. Are you guys? You, gonna yeah, I think you can get a like, lot of. Uh, uh, we've got a lot of inspiration from history, and Age of Sail uh, gave us a lot of the basic economics for this sort of thing for how. How is the money dis- divided among pirates or mercenaries? Uh, you know, everybody gets a share. Some people get an additional share. A few people get an additional share. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and again, why your re- reputation is important. If you prove yourself to be competent in combat, that you you get your objectives done, you get it done efficiently, uh, then your stature rises, and you're going to have more power, you're certainly going to be uh, offered more lucrative contracts. And if, discounts on, if that corporation yeah, and, sells and, yeah, that share. Loyalty rewards, right? If you keep working for the same corporation, there's going to be benefits to that. If you don't want to be tied down, uh, you can take, you'd be a complete freelancer. Um, it'll just be a little bit harder to advance, maybe, or certainly be harder to get certain pieces of, of equipment because they're like, well, our records show that you were involved in a mission where you attacked one of our facilities last year, so we don't really want to sell you the, our latest radar system. <laughs> Go somewhere else. Uh, and then your option as well, I could always try to capture one of your ships and just steal the technology. Absolutely. I, I love the sound. I love the sound of this all, this persistence going on, because that's what that's one thing I was going to ask about, because one reason I don't like to play MOBAs and stuff like that is because, like, you play a map, oh, okay, what was that about? What was the large... Well, that's one thing that bothered me about World of Tanks, World of Warships. I love yeah, them, but when exactly. you walk away from it, it doesn't pull you back, right? And exactly. We want to have... We're going to use narrative. We're going to use narrative as a mechanic to pull people in and hold them. Yeah, I like that. I like that there's reasons to come back and work for your clan or your company or whatever. I like that. So or uh, or betray them. <laughs> so we have some questions from uh the audience if uh you don't Great. mind. First, uh Angelus Death asks, so are there more ships or just one ship with multiple variants? There's going to be a we we've got a, about 20 or 30 I think it's almost 30 ship designs uh, on paper 
And Ooh. we've so far built uh, seven three. of them, I think. Well, three that we've actually got flyable, but we've got uh, the dromedaries and automated tanker. We've got a couple. Th- it's not actually a ship. It's a structure. We've got a, a processing facility, transshipment hub, slash space elevator counterweight. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, we, the, the idea is that there's all these competing corporations and just like the contemporary world, uh, there's a lot of different people that you can buy fighter aircraft from. There's a lot of different people you could buy armored vehicles from. There's a lot of different people that will supply you the weapons or the sensors that go in those weapon platforms. And what we want to make even cooler though is have a a more modular approach to things so you have a basic space frame but uh kind of the philosophy between uh, the u.s literal combat ship where like entire sections can be replaced so you want to focus on anti-air you want to focus on anti-submarine warfare you want to focus on supporting special forces ashore here's the mission pack that you put into the hull for that uh, Absolutely, very nice. So I mean, it, make, it makes sense. Yeah. Short, an, short, short answer is right now we have three ships. We built our we built our smallest ship, which was a Strike, and you guys have all seen that. In the uh, that's a ship we've shown the most of. The Strike is a one one person ship. It's mostly like a wild weasel from Vietnam, but you can have different configurations, like Dave said. You but it, it's small, so it can hold like one weapon, maybe one weapon and one missile or something. So it can't really hold a lot. And then we built our biggest ship, which was called the Hyperion. And it's funny. Somebody asked me if I'd read Dan Simmons, but when we named him, but we had named him before that. I read Dan Simmons since then, and, you know, we're keeping the names because it's awesome. But the Hyperion is our biggest fighter, and it's a two-seater, you know, a pilot and a Wizzo. And uh, we also built a support craft called a Pegasus, which is multiple roles. It can be a like an assault transport, it can be a refueler, it can be a gunship, kind of like a C-130 in space. So we, we've built, you know, every extreme of the ships. Our goal is to build lots and lots and lots of ships and continue to add designs, but all of our ships will have multiple configurations, and players will be able to put different weapons and different configurations on them as well. So there'll be a lot of options. I wanted sense. to ask you guys oh, about sorry, some other of the multiplayer um, features. I was thinking about um, Planet Side Two. I don't know if you guys have played Yield Planet yeah, Side Two. I was friends with the guy who was the director of that, Dave Jordanson. So he worked with me on Heavy Gear Two as a producer, and it's then like when he, you're... he went worked on Planet Side Two after that. Oh, when you guys are when you guys are uh, game developers, you tend to know a lot of other game developers, huh? It's a small <laughs> world. It's a small <laughs> world. Um, but I was going to ask you though specifically. There's an interesting mechanic with the way Planet Side Two works, where it's uh, a big area of territory control um, and very long, drawn out matches. Um, is there going to be anything similar to that? Are you guys looking at or nothing like mainly- that? Nothing like that. Like I said, our, ours is closer to a world of uh, tanks match, where you're going to go in with. 10 versus 10, 15 versus 15. You're going to have a 10 to 20 minute battle. At the end of the battle, you're going to get 
you know, your rewards or the bad news that you did poorly, and then you're going to be ready for the next battle. So there's not going to be an ongoing capture territory. There may be some mission gameplay modes that have you capturing things and stuff like that, but it's going to be nothing like Planetside 2. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, we have another... Uh, yeah, well, sorry. Well, one thing that hasn't been said, I don't think, is it all happens within the solar system, because there is no yes. faster than light. In fact, our first our first season is going to be all around Saturn, so we're going in deep to every part of Saturn, Ooh. and we're going to stay we're going to stay there for everything that we do for the first part of it with our story, and then we're going to start branching out later. But yeah, fa- uh, there's no faster than light, guys. So the only way to do it is to stick somebody in a stick a popsicle and shoot them out to that proximity, you know, proximity Centauri, and eventually they'll get there. But that that's not our game. <laughs> okay, another question from the chat: Will there be NPCs? No. Well. <laughs> There may be enemy enemy NPCs. You'll have some drones that may have some limited AI, but there's going to be nothing like... We we haven't planned on wingmen, anything like that. That's just not in our... You know, we'd love to do it, but that's just not in our current plans. It may come down the road. Yeah, it'll sneak up on us because the sophisticated missile behavior and drone behavior that we want to have isn't that far away from having a, 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 an actual NPC. So we'll get there eventually, but not right out the gate. Don't count on it right now. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. And the final question so far we have from the chat is, are there going to be non-combat missions such as mining, manufacturing, exploration, no. and so on? Oh, <laughs> damn. No! Uh, damn. Well, there, 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 there are, there are combat the support roles. Right. So, uh, like combat uh, search and rescue, you're not necessarily doing any fighting, but there's Refueling. fighting going on around you. you. Yeah, you might be flying a Pegasus that's basically doing a tanker role. Um, there's also uh, it's it is a combat role, but you're not the trigger man. Uh, you could be flying a Pegasus that is basically a missile truck, and there's a bunch of shrikes out there that are doing all the targeting and so they're they're the ones actually launching the missiles um and that, which is cool because you've got this tiny little ship darting around painting targets and avoiding getting blown up while you've got this big honking heavy ship launching salvos of missiles now there may be resources involved in some of the missions like you're retrieving resources or doing something so that you know but nothing like your your goal is to uh, basically do what Blackwater does, right? Your goal is to uh, create situations where there's firepower happening, and that's what you're hired for. As I mean, the setting, the solar system setting, the industrial infrastructure, all of those kinds of activities are going on. That's the context for the, for a lot of the battles. But you're not going to be doing any mining. There, there is one of our ship designs, and we actually have a, a small family of similar ships that are, uh, they're basically wildcat miner ships, but they are armed, and so they can be used for combat. And uh, that, that's one of the interesting things about this level of technology is, uh, you know, a mining laser is an effective weapon. 
just your drives. All, all the ships are nuclear powered, and uh, you don't want to be at the wrong end of a nuclear powered rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing you mentioned Blackwater, and that makes me think about rules of engagement. Because let's say you get into combat and you happen to be around a civilian mining operation that's not part of the conflict, do you get penalties for blowing up non combatants? Yes. Depending on depending on what corporation, maybe the corporations hired you to to do terrorist sort of things, and you get a huge bonus if you blow them up. Yeah, I so. mean, exactly. You might, <laughs> You might be working for a black hat type of outfit that specializes in plausible deniability. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You're but if you're there. hired to protect something and you shoot it, yeah, that's not going to be pretty for you. You're not going to so, be like So that. somebody should be working on the pen and paper role-playing game to accompany this because <laughs> I think it's going to be – I'd buy it. I'd buy the source There'll books. be demand. We do have another uh, question. You, oh, sorry. Send, send them our way. Send them our way, and we'll let them talk to our biz dev guy if they want to do that. <laughs> we, do, we do have another fact, question. We got the from, guy. We do have another question from the audience. Uh, awesome. Is working for a corporation going to be strictly better, or can I play as a junker slash reaver and get everything? I'm not sure entirely what that uh, get everything means. Uh, also, uh, also shout out ahead. to David Westman from the UCSC class. Whatever that means. Hey, uh, I love those guys. This is easy. Would, this is easy. Wraith say, in our chat. Uh, the question is: Can you? Do you have to specifically work for a corporation? You, like Dave said, you can work with. The more you do, the better you do for a corporation. The better your reputation is with that corporation. So it might be advantageous for you to stay with them because you'll get discounts and bonuses. But you could jump ship and. And you could float between corporations and get a bad rep with everybody if you want. And there may be people that are underground, sort of black market corporations that will support a seedier underclass of mercenaries, if that's even possible. So, yeah, your your existence in our universe probably would probably be a rougher road to take, but maybe a more interesting road. So. Now, is, 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 is hooking up with a corporation, is that um, – do you have to do that or can you be like a – No. You, have, no. you can be like a rogue can, that's like, I just want to do my own con- crap and screw contracts everybody. Contracts will be available and contracts are going to be essentially the multiplayer games that people are playing and you'll sign on to fight for oh. a corporation because otherwise you wouldn't just do it. Somebody's got to pay you to do something. You're not going okay. to be a freelancer. Yeah. Unless we want to, maybe we want to put a freelancer version in it down the road, we could do that. Uh, but basically, Ooh. you'll just take it and you'll get a rep with that corp, but you don't have to stay with that corp by by no means. You could jump on the other side for the next mission if you wanted to. That that sounds awesome. So yeah, basically, you're not uh, to make sure people understand. It sounds like you're solely a combat pilot so you're not going to you're going to be doing combat missions you're not going to be doing any of the economic stuff you might do in other privateer type games like hauling cargo or whatnot you might be protecting that cargo but you're not going to be hauling it yourself for example yeah, yeah I, uh, that uh, that was that was a sort of a baseline design choice that we want this game to be focused on the combat experience so if it's if it's directly combat related or it's combat support, then it has a place in our game. Everything else is background and context. That's for other games, right? And we're happy for the <laughs> you know we're happy for Eve Online to mine all the asteroids they want to. So <laughs> no, that's fair. 
That's fair. It's just some people, you know, do want that experience. You know, some people oh, just yeah. want to model. And that, so, well, and that's the thing. That experience is already available. Yeah, what exactly. What Starfighter Inc. is going to offer, that's not available right now. Yeah, this sort is sort of. I mean, it's out there. Very, like Star Conflict has a little bit of it. And it's yeah, out but, there. Even but they're, but they're, but they're not respecting the science. No, they're not. They're airplane. Right. They're, air, yeah. they're airplane sims. They're not space sims. Yeah, this is so. basically more like Jagged Alliance slash uh, Strike Commander, where you're a mercen- like you're kind of a mercenary after working for whichever corporation you want to work with that'll pay you. Basically, that's a good analogy. Or MechWarrior Two mercenaries. If or that. Yeah. 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 So and like oh. so for, forcing me to go read the Wikipedia article and like oh yeah this is exactly what we need to do all right <laughs> you better go read the, you better go read the crisis Wikipedia too and look at power struggle if you really want to understand what's going on <laughs> wait what about what about crisis crisis has a multiplayer mode the first one called power struggle right and it's uh, it definitely had uh, a lot of things that we're looking at as far as the way weapons are used and weapons are upgraded and things like that. So you you can use the money you get to get better weapons. Really? I and never... get rank and things like that. Yeah, yeah. a lot of... It, you know, we had, we had a pretty good audience. We didn't have Call of Duty numbers. You know, we had probably like twenty or 30,000 MAU instead of 100,000, 200,000. But, you know, we had a little dedicated audience. I'm gonna be honest. I own Crisis. I've never played it. I don't even know. If, I don't even know. It used to be connected to GameSpy. I don't even know if you can play it anymore. I played it about yeah, a couple. The, of years ago. All the multiplayer stuff is, is kind of toast on it. Can you play? Yeah, it anything EA did with GameSpy, I think they uh, they killed GameSpy, so everything went away. Can you play over a LAN? Because we have ways to do that. You might be able to check it out. It's cool. It actually, it's it's funny. It's similar. I'm not going to take credit for the MOBA genre, but if you look at it, it's very similar to the way MOBAs work mechanics-wise, where you start as a private and you only have access to certain weapons, and the more you kill, the better the weapons you get. So by the end of the game, you're all higher-ranked people, and it's in a very... It's not an arena, it's in a, you know, in a huge map, but it definitely has a lot of mechanics similar to MOBAs now. I might have to try this because it sounds fantastic. Uh, and well, you could ex- about it. They had it in Crisis Wars too. They had Power Struggle. Yeah, I've got both Crisis and Crisis Wars, and I've not played either of them. <laughs> oh, well, our single, our, our single players where we put most of the energy for sure. Right. Well, no, no. It sounds like I should play it. <laughs> but I mean, if you want, it sounds like if you want a taste of what you're trying to do in Starfighter Inc. Uh, we should see if we can get that the, that mode in Crisis or Crisis Wars working, you guys, for a Thursday night or at some point. It's it. We're closer to World of War Tanks than Power Struggle, but there's right. there are mechanics in Power Struggle that are carry that that are. I'd say Starfighter was inspired by at this point. Ooh, very nice. So, how far along is the game? Would you say? Like, when can we get our mitts on it? 
we are doing it when it's ready. We're doing the old Blizzard mantra when it's ready. Uh, God damn it. Obviously, we're, we're planning on doing another Kickstarter because funding would be very nice. We have some people we'd very much like to pay. <laughs> and uh, But right now, it's a labor of love from everybody. So the people involved in it are doing it because they want to work on it. And we're all sort of working on it in our spare time. And uh, it's just a great team. We have people all over the world. We have about a team of about 40 people that have dedicated lots of time to help us bring it where it is. Right now, we... The multiplayer game works. The ships, we're doing a lot of work with the ship component and damage types right now. So that's about to be, that's because we already had a, we had uh, a year ago, we had a working multiplayer game with all the ship types. We had the three ship types. We had that all working. It was working fine. What we did not have working was detailed damage models like components. Like for instance, if you have a, if you have propel, we could say you can damage the space frame and you get, you have your ship has hit points, right? That was working fine. We had weapons working. We had the multiplayer mode working. We had fifteen versus fifteen, all that work. But what was not working was that, like, okay, this the Shrike. Here's the fuel tank on the Shrike. Here's where the ammo is stored on the Shrike. Here's the cockpit of the Shrike. Here's the engine on the Shrike. Here's the RCS thrusters. Here's the black box on the Shrike. And you know what? Thirty components or whatever all the components our design team came up with. That just got finished, and we're just getting that into multiplayer and testing that now on our two main, three main ships. So that's what that's where we are right now. Um, we we're doing it in an organic fashion. So as things come online, the game develops. There's no real we've got to finish it by this day. We're going to do this. However, if we go to Kickstarter again, we're going to make a commitment in Kickstarter that if we get a certain amount of funding, we're going to put a game out in a certain amount of time because we don't want to be, you know, like other space sims that are out there that are <laughs> going on forever. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, um, we, we already have a game. It's just what level do we release it in? It's a question now. Do we do, you know, do do it? Do we do a game that has three base ships and, you know, 10 configurations each and 10 weapon types? Or do we do a game that has 20 ships you know, 10 different multiplayer modes and so forth. So it's kind of, right now we're, I'd say we're beyond first playable, but not quite to alpha would be a, the safe, well, you safe up the, state. You brought up the Kickstarter and it, 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 it crushed me when that wasn't successfully funded. I mean, you guys were like in spitting distance. And I, I just that's why we're still working on, that's why we're still working on it. If we, if we would, if it would have been a huge failure, like there would have been, you know, we got like two hundred twenty-one thousand out of two hundred fifty, mm. and we could have put a a decent game out for two hundred fifty, definitely. And we would have probably been close to shipping it by now if we would have gotten funded, uh, and it would have been great. But definitely, this time, the, it, in a way, it's a blessing to us because we got because some people jumped ship when the Kickstarter failed, and those people they really weren't meant to be on the team anyway. So the people that stayed were the people that were serious about it. And mm. we knew, wow, these guys are the gold standard that we really we want to work with forever. And we really became a closer-knit family. And the game got better because it didn't quite make the Kickstarter. Now, well, if we go again and we Kickstarter, it doesn't make it. You know, we'll probably keep working on it. But it'd be really nice to get the Kickstarter this time. Right. I have to be honest with you. 
Well, my my question is, and and I hope this isn't a a mean or hard question, but what do you think you guys will do better the second time around that might have helped more the first time? Like, what do you think? What did you learn? Show gameplay from day one. Yeah, Yeah. show gameplay from day one. We already got a movie that is a bunch of cool shots of gameplay that we put together with a little narrative that is really, really cool and really shows our game. We're just waiting for Kickstarter to release. That's the the video that's going to release with us. And uh, and last time we showed gameplay, we only had about five days left because we when we were do- that was our first time doing Kickstarter. We had never done a Kickstarter. We didn't know anything about Kickstarter. We thought uh-huh. a Kickstarter was okay. Get the funding to kickstart the project. Now it's about go ahead and make a project and we'll buy it early. That's what Kickstarter is now. We've learned so we've got to show much more of a completed it, game it, if it, we want to get funding. It's also active. a 24-7 marketing campaign, basically. Yes. Yeah, we learned that. <laughs> yeah, and we're much more prepared this time than we were before. Yeah, I, I've seen so many Kickstarters that fail, not because they have a bad game, but because they didn't update every day or they didn't update every week and they didn't have much to show. Well, it's, they, well, it's frustratingly inconsistent in that regard because I've, I've – well, and I have to say it's mostly tabletop games – where uh, if the designer is well-known enough and has a good track record, they can put out four updates during the entire campaign and still make their target and exceed it. And so, it's, mm. you know, I look at that, it's like, what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish we could get away with that. <laughs> well, I mean, you have, to be a, you have to be a level above the level that Dave and I work, because Dave and I were very much a part of a team. And every team I've ever worked on, I don't, I've never, even though I was a director or producer, I never attempted to take credit for what everybody else was doing. And certainly there's a lot of developers out there that are like the name, but they've always had 20 or 30 or 40 people behind them making them the name. And, you know, I think it's disingenuous when you take credit, sole credit for something, right? So Dave and I aren't at that level. Sadly. So what, what about a tagline like uh, Starfighter Incorporated will make you its bitch? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know we love John but, Romero, uh, but we, we definitely learned what not to do from, yeah, from John Romero. Yeah. We do have, we do have another <laughs> but, you know, question. Thank, thank well, and well, and and uh, another uh, very highly hyped game that came out recently. Uh, no Man's know, Sky. It's like the, I was looking forward to that, and not me. Know, I told you it was going to be awful. <laughs> well, no, no, I was looking forward to what it could have been and what mm. people irresponsibly said it was going to be. <laughs> you and, can't procedurally generate content. Only humans yeah. will give you that kind of content forever, right? Only a human opponent can keep you happy forever. I, I just don't think it's possible. And, but and, but, but if you well, try... it's it, it's an important lesson though in uh-huh. in marketing and what we say in in you know doing events like this podcast. And what we say in a Kickstarter that we have to be careful not to get people's hopes up too high, so that they become disappointed and then get angry. I mean, one of the things that that we learned during the Kickstarter uh, is that people who are backing you and you know, therefore, by definition, they support what you're doing. They want you to be successful, but if they don't get the answers that they want right away, or if they don't like the answers they can instantly turn on you and become a toxic presence. And Ooh, so we, <laughs> you know, and so 
and we saw that the best way to handle that is, well, one, stay on top of everything and, and be as responsive as you can and just always be respectful. Like somebody, you know, really thinks that we should add stealth to the game and is making noise about it. And it's like, well, look, this is why we're not going to do that. You know, it's there's other games that have stealth. So, you know, I hope you'll give Starfighter Inc. a try because it'll, it's a different experience and, and maybe you'll discover that you don't need stealth to have a good time. <laughs> In fact, every other game has stealth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do have one more question from the audience. Uh, this is from Floridon. I keep wanting to say Floridon, but I, it's it's. Uh, can a single player feasibly start up a corporation? Is there a certain amount of startup capital needed to do so? And I w- I wasn't sure, but it doesn't sound like these are player run corporations. Uh, we do. We are going to allow player run corporations. Oh, okay. So when, That's- when you when you played long enough and you've gotten the group long enough and you have enough capital, like the person said, where you've got enough ships and you can do stuff, you may even be able to do your own contracts that you put out on other corporations. So, yes, that is a plan to let players eventually have their own corps. But they're more like private military corporations, right? They're not like, they're not going to be the Boeing of tomorrow. They're going to be the Blackwater. So PMCs. Now, I, I do have to ask one question. This is very close to my heart. One thing I loved about TIE Fighter and a few other games like Free Space especially is the multitude of ways you could deal with situational awareness. You had multiple targeting keys. You could save targets that were important for later. How much work is being put into allowing this kind of situational awareness for the player in Starfighter Inc.? A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, that is probably the main area of my research on this project. And I've got hundreds and hundreds of pages on UI design for modern combat vehicles and, uh, and applying that with VR, uh, you know, Right now, our sort of baseline that in our game this will be old-fashioned would be the F-35 or the Eurofighter Typhoon. So you've got helmet-mounted display. You've got uh, a decision support system that is taking a lot of the load off of the pilot. So the pilot is focusing on the mission and not on monitoring all of the systems uh, to make sure everything's working. And we want to make this a very customizable interface. Um, and some of the things that are being uh, implemented right now, and uh, I just watched a video of uh, a new Bell helicopter that has a, the entire front of the cockpit is one gigantic display that cameras in the nose of the aircraft give you that forward view. So it's like looking through the frame of the aircraft. And then on that screen, it's a touch screen. There are all these widgets that are all of the traditional types of uh, cockpit inter- uh, instruments, you know, radar, uh, fuel gauges, all that kind of stuff. And, and the flight crew can just move those things around at will and focus on what they need to focus on. So, the other th- other part about it that I'm really excited to explore is uh, 
having a, a Jarvis, a, you know, Siri, Cortana, whatever, Ooh. but having a voice. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a, a system that alerts you to things that you might have overlooked. Uh, can't You can give it a, a list of priorities for the targets of the upcoming mission. You can dynamically change that during the mission. Uh, all kinds of, of things like that that just make it more immersive as an actual simulation of the future. If you can hire Brian Blessed to do the voiceover work for that, Brian will give Please. you all his money. Oh my god, yeah, Brian, all of Brian Blessed. Okay. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Actually, god. we've got we've got a guy named Stephen on our team from England who's one of our BO guys, and he's got a great dark voice like oh, that nice. deep voice. He's amazing. Nice. Uh, well, we also got a great female actor. Um, our lead artist is related to uh, a very talented woman who did some voiceover for us for uh, the... Don't talk about her. Okay. All right. But yeah. Never mind. It's just a, Never mind. Don't look over basically. here. It's like we do placeholder voice and it's like, okay, yeah, not exactly trained actors here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it could be passable, but we all know it's not good enough. And we are we working have, with some And then we have an actual professional actors. do it and we're like, oh my God, this is so awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You can definitely tell the difference between, like, a professional and a less than if you, like, listen to, like, the voice acting in, like, the older Eastern European space sims that would come out, like, the mid-aughts. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, my God. Space Wolves. Yeah, Space Star, Star Wolves, Space Rangers, Tomorrow War, just all those. Or the, the submarine space combat game, Aquinox. Oh, God, Aquinox. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that oh. I was disappointed in that thing because it's like descent in a submarine, and well, it just it's, didn't. It was, yeah, it was. It was I know what I love. I still want to do that you. kind of a game. I would love to do a futuristic you submarine. Should, oh, oh, give me another sub war. Give me another sub war twenty fifty. Sub war twenty fifty. Yes, yeah, yes. Particle systems pre I war. Yes, give me more of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, sub war twenty fifty was a great game. I don't want it to be strictly based on Earth. I want to go to Europa and Celadus and other places in the solar system where we now know they have uh, subsurface oceans. Oh, God, I love this. Okay, we have one last question for I might, I might be able to get that into Starfighter eventually. <laughs> yeah, put oh, it in the backlog. It'll be very yeah, long. It'll be at the very bottom of the backlog, Dave. And then there's going to be room for an RTS, right? There's going to be exactly, room for RTS. Exactly, yeah. Uh, there's the RTS going to be even under the underwater one. And, We've and come full circle. And, and then there'll be a first-person mode. game that I'm making in my And there'll be a first-person mode called Starfighter Marine. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Let's I'm not sorry. feature creep this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, I'm, so I'm very sorry. good at not let, allowing feature creep. Don't worry. Yay. All right, one last question. Let's start wrapping up because we've been going for almost two hours and it's the middle of the night for David. Um, last question. Uh, will there be a mode that will allow you to... Oh, God damn it. The chat just scrolled. Brian, will there be a mode okay? that will allow you and a friend to play on the same ship? It sounds like there will be multiplayer Yes, ships. yes. There are multiple pilot ships in the game. In fact, two of out of the three ships we've made, two one of them has three, up to three pilots. Uh, really, it's a pilot and two gunners, and the Hyperion has a pilot and a WIZA weapons officer. 
I, those are the the traditional definitions of the different roles, but these ships and their systems are designed that the the players who crew the ship they can share those responsibilities. They can trade them back and forth. So it's like how whatever works best for you guys as a team. That sounds pretty awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm digging that because the multi crew yeah. thing. Like you see that in well, like uh, Elite Dangerous is trying to bring that in, but that's like big fat slow ships, right? And it, and it's not a fighter thing. But to the to go back into like what else had multi crew? Like even in a single player flight sim, well, there was F fifteen Strike Eagle, uh, Mega from, Fortress, uh, Jane's uh, Mega Fortress, yeah, Mega Fortress uh, did, and then F fourteen Fleet Defender, and that's the, the only B- ones well, I can think of on the B seventeen well, games. You, if you if you count the mod. For X-Wing Alliance, that lets you be the gunner in the Millennium Falcon in multiplayer. Yeah, that we actually <laughs> had that implemented as true multiplayer, multi-crew, oh. uh, but it only worked over the land, so we took it out. Oh. No, I actually played with that mod before, and it was a lot of fun. Did, so it worked? Yes. Ooh, we'll have to try that. Uh, Jim, but there were also those, B, there were those two B-17 games, don't forget. Uh, remember yeah the well that's that's true but I, but i mean like a fighter like a f-14 with a guy uh, in the back oh fighters well i mean we, we, we've had that since f-15 strike eagle 3 right with yeah. microprose me and my buddies played that our modem and you one mm-hmm. of the modes was you were a wizzo and the guy could be the pilot and you would actually fly against enemy ai or you could take two planes in and go so mm-hmm. It's been around well, for a long that, time. That's what I mean. Is like it's it, nobody's really doing it now, though. Like yeah, the only no. thing current that I can think of that does that is uh, Arma, where you can multi-crew. But they, they, they don't even have Battlefield. Battlefield. What about all oh, yeah, does, uh, does uh, DCS support that? I don't know if they. Uh, no, uh, DCS doesn't. But Battlefield Four, for instance, has you can be on an Apache and you can be the Wizzo, and the Wizzo can do a guided missile that he controls and you know the the they have ships that are floating in the water and you can be in multiple position gun positions up to six or seven different positions so it's nothing yeah, it's new. True. i forgot it's, all i forgot all about yeah. the yeah the dice dice does it good <laughs> they got multi-crew ships too they got gunships that like c-130s they could hold two or three people oh know, yeah that's right i forgot about so, that mission yeah 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 so now, if they would just if they would just do a powered armor version of that, like a Battlefield twenty one. Well, isn't, isn't that isn't that Call of Duty Infinity? Isn't that nothing? You know, ripoff. You know that. <laughs> well, but see that, but that's a thing, right? So this is a, that's an interesting evolution because you had you had the Battlefield and Call of Duty, and it's like they would alternate World War Two Modern Warfare, World War Two Modern Warfare, and then. These guys from Infinity Ward that broke off and did their own thing, they come out with Titanfall, right? And now you got like wall running and jetpacks and guys that can double jump and big robots and stuff. So then Call of Duty is like, well, we're not going to do the robots, but we're going to put all that other stuff, the the whole exoskeleton, double jump, wall run, all that mess. Didn't didn't do it quite as well because there to me there's there's since Loki's minion CTF with Quake, there has not been a more fun capture the flag mode than what was in Titanfall. And sadly, nobody plays it. It makes me cry. It's, it's um, just for us, Titanfall, I mean, stuff like that, like King of the Hill and Capture the Flag, that's too gamey for us. We want, we definitely ooh. want it to feel 
immersive, like this is a real mission mm-hmm. happening with real consequences. I like that. I like oh yeah, that I mean, yeah. you're not gonna have you're not gonna have like sports, right? Well, you, actually, you could, right? If you did no. like a sport mode, but no, no, let's no, not do that. No, no. But, but it's no. But it's the evolution. <laughs> Did you say no? Okay. No. Uh, but the, the evolution, though, that happened in that space, right? Because as soon as it, Infinity Ward said Titanfall, now it's all futuristic. Well, now uh, Call of Duty is on a ramp up where it's like more in the future every iteration. Right. And, 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 and everybody and all back. their customers hate them, but they love the Battlefield 1 coming out. So. That's what's hilarious. I think Battlefield One's going to destroy genius because they figured out how to get everybody to pay eighty dollars for a reboot of Battlefield One or uh, Call of Duty Four, whatever it was. Yeah, that was. I, I don't know. I think actually Call of Duty's losing. Uh, they're losing audience, and I think this summer, this Christmas, Battlefield One is going to destroy Call of Duty Infinite. I think uh, it's going to do way better for the first time because Battlefield One is completely unique and original. Right. Well, where, I think biplanes are slow, right? And you can keep that in because trying to do jets and you're you're flying basically in the the map area of a phone booth, so you're constantly turning or you run off the map. Uh, well, biplanes, that's not a problem because you're only going like forty mile an hour anyway. So yeah, I played the beta; it was great. I mean, it's really yeah. it's, it's a whole new game, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, but and a in, tank with three gunners is pretty cool too. So yeah, that land they ship. Spread, they got a they have an armored train. There's like seven gunners on it, man. It's real nasty. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, it was a little OP, but yeah. I've never played the armor but games. They're great. That's what I've heard. I just don't have time. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of games, we're playing. What are you guys? Let's let's wrap this up by asking, what are you guys playing right now? And then I have one last question for you guys. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, Starfighter, uh, I was playing a little bit of World of Tanks and World of Warships, uh, stupidly just because I can do it on my way to work. I've been playing Pokemon Go. (laughs) 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 I don't know why either. My boss said, oh, you got to check it out. All right. And then, yeah, it's like, well, okay. While I walk to work, I can... I can collect Pokemon. Wow, <laughs> I, got, I got I got tired of that. I got tired of that real fast. Yeah. Oh, but those guys made so much money on that. Oh my god! But are they still? Well, that, that, I do off. have a fascination with things like that. That you know, anytime a game makes a big splash like Pokemon Go did, uh, or just the entire phenomenon of free to play, uh, you know, I'm still wrapping my head around some of the design aspects of that. Is you know. The how do you monetize effectively without annoying people? You know, nobody wants to, uh, a pay-to-win type of a game. Um, yeah, but but they, but they did it great because it's like you can throw out a lure for a dollar. Yeah, and and it benefits everybody around you too. So then it makes people congregate. So there's been some stores that they'll just throw yes. lures out to get people to come <laughs> in their store. I was talking to a woman who's just yeah, that's exactly what she was doing. She thought it was the stupidest thing in the world, but hey, she'll use whatever tools are available. <laughs> I uh, I've been playing right now the latest game. I've al- I always keep a one strong single player game going, and I'm trying to uh, I'm playing Deus Ex: Mankind Divided right now. Great Ooh. game. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's superb, superb game. 
And I'm waiting for Dishonored 2 to come out because I really love Dishonored, and I thought that was a superb game, so I can't wait for that to come out. Uh, I play World of Warships daily, <clears throat> at least one or two matches every day, and I play League of Legends probably daily, one or two matches. And I'm still in Bronze 5. I suck at it, but I love it. It's such a good... It's my RTS fix. Is uh, you know, I kind of miss the old RTS games, but this kind of gives me the same feeling. So, so are you guys going to do that in in your game? Put the daily crack crate, like, oh, you, here's your daily login reward. You get, you know, the better crate. Uh, today. I don't. Not at first. We'll we'll see. I think before you can do stuff like that, you've got to have a certain audience size before it makes sense. So we'll we'll see as as we roll out how many people are playing. And you, I, I don't think we're going to do gimmicks like that because everything, like I said, everything has to fit within the constraint of, first of all, real science. Next, you're really there. So there's not going to be gamey stuff like chess that you open and garbage like that. It would be stuff yeah. that would be related to corporate rewards and things like that. But yeah, you know, what, we never, what, is, what is the business model? Is it going to come out like free to play and then we buy we're, stuff? We're still, we, it, it really depends on we're, once we do one more round of Kickstarter funding, depending on what happens there, it could come out to be free to play. And then we have to do certain things to, you know, recoup the cost of it. Uh, we may charge $10 or $20 for it. You know, we may make it a, a virtual reality. game. There's a lot of different business models that we're experimenting, uh, but we're going to try, but we're going to, it's definitely not play to free. It will never be uh, pay to win you, it, time. And money will always be, you know, anything that you can do with time, you can do with money. So, you know, that'll be the way that we, we judge that. All right. Well, I wanted to finally ask, this is my last question at least. You both said you're uh, college professors. What do you guys teach and where? Uh, I teach game design and production at NHTD Breda, University of Applied Sciences, the International Game Architecture and Design Department. Well, uh, you're certainly qualified. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 actually, I, I got into teaching in 2008, and I love it. It's incredibly rewarding. Uh, I, I'm actively involved in helping other people make games and learn how to make them better. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's an, an incredible feeling when you see somebody's eyes light up with that understanding that they've, they've figured it out and you help them get there. I'm a professor of game design at the Savannah college of art and design. And, uh, and I love it. It's a great job. You, you know, get, it's interesting. And, guys, and we get to harvest the best talent. I was going <laughs> to say, I was say, you guys uh, technically have a team of like developers at your fingertips. So I mean, you guys can like no, add a couple of good games. You know, I, you, it's it's not. We cannot work with uh, our current students. We're not allowed. To yeah, there's there's, there's class con- projects. Con- class projects. Well, it's, 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 it's their it, projects, it, not our projects. Yeah, because <laughs> if there's a if there's a perception of conflict of interest, where you know other students think that I'm going to be giving more favorable t- treatment to students who are working on my project, uh, that's well, just no, not, you, not even allowed. But what what we can do is you know. 
we get to know people through teaching them and you know we see talent that we like and we when they're looking for an internship we can see if they they fit in with the team and that's how we got our current lead artist and our current lead technical artist and our chief spacecraft systems designer they all started as interns so so you guys can't school of rock this thing and just be like jack black and you know take them to the no, my students can find on their own. They they win competitions with the games, and I just shepherd them. I don't yeah. give them. I don't do their game design. I just say this is the way you do it, and I teach them. And they go off and they win everything on their own. So you know <laughs> they've won more than we have actually. <laughs> hey, well, there is, but there is a model for that. I, I was invited to give a talk in China at a university, uh, was it Jilin Animation Institute? And uh, on the film side, that was their uh, dominant program. Uh, the big projects that, the, that came out of the university were conceived of and run by faculty. The students were the workforce. And That's so, China, though. That's yeah, China. That, China. China. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh God! <laughs> uh, but, no, it stuck with me because it's like, hey, you know, can can we do this? Is is there a way to set this up? Because most of the schools that I've taught at uh, have taken the sensible attitude that students should own their work, and the school reserves the right to use it in marketing, but it's the, it's the students' game, and uh, so it gets really complicated really quickly when you have to start working out ownership issues on, on projects like that. Well, stick around after the show. I do have a couple of quick questions about that, that are just for the off the air kind of stuff. Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, my friends, uh, does anyone have any final questions before we wrap this up? We have been going for almost two hours. That's why I was thinking we should probably. No, I'm pretty sure you're very, you're very lucky a hurricane just hit my town and I I can't do anything else. So I had nothing else to do. Oh no. (laughs) Oh wow. Thanks. Oh no. (laughs) Jack is very focused and driven. He has been the engine that has kept this project going. I I hate laughing. Speaking of focus, thanks for joining us, Dave, in your time zone. Oh my God. Right. Oh my God. It's like what? Four in the morning now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd be a, I'd be a zombie. I wouldn't be coherent. I'd be like, huh? What? Oh, I, uh-huh. I, I've been working on uh, the workshop lecture that I have to give tomorrow and audio design oh. for levels. So that's and he lo- he loves you guys kissing his ass too. So that's enjoy that. <laughs> well, we could do that all freaking day. <laughs> oh my god, both of you guys, not just him, both of you guys. Hey, yeah, have, both you, you, guys have you guys sure. seen? Have you seen that masterclass website that uh, is basically like, you know, you can learn acting from Dennis or uh, trying to think, Kevin Spacey, right? Like teaches an acting class and it's like $200 and you sign up and you get like 20 lessons with Kevin Spacey and you can ask him questions and stuff. So you should go to those guys and just be like, hey, you know, you can, you can learn like level design from us. I'm pretty sure the place I work would not want me doing that. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. I think Aaron Sorkin is doing one of those too, though. I think he's doing one of those. Yeah, he is actually. That's well. that's yeah. how I found out about it. I saw the Sorkin. Yeah. Uh, the Sorkin. I love thing. my job. I love my job. Too. 
Uh, do you guys so, get fans uh, no, like in your class? Do you guys get fans in your classes that know your games, that know your history? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, mostly they're uh, at this point, but mostly it's their dads that know my games. <laughs> like they started, on, they started oh. on Mech Warrior too. My dad played that all the time, right? Oh. I'm, I'm getting, I'm fifty, I'm fifty two now. So I, the last game I put out was 2007, which was Crisis. So for me, you know, some of them were even, you know. They weren't playing PC mature P- PC games, you know. Okay. So it's like they're young. So, but yeah, some of every now and then there's somebody you know the first day they're looking at you and you know they 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 know who you are. So it's kind of funny. That's great. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, David, Jack, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Seriously. Well, thank you, Brian. It was a real yeah, pleasure. Thanks. And, you know, I've been talking to Awesome Laser for a while here. I, I love him to death. We're, we're buddies. So uh, we just hope you guys definitely keep an ear out for us when the Kickstarter comes. We when need all be? your support to get the word out. So when yeah, man, will the next, next Kickstarter... Time, next time I come down... Um, next time I come down that way, man, we'll go eat breakfast at Paula Dean's and drink a beer at the Pirate House. <laughs> no, you don't go to Paula Dean's. You go to Mrs. Wilkes for that. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, and you go to Benny Van Gogo's for pizza. So that's the, And Savannah's got... And you well, go to Wet for drinks. Vinny's is still there, huh? Yeah. I hit Vinny's. Friday night is my routine. I hit Vinny Van Gogo's Friday night. Best pizza in the world. Oh, wow. And, I haven't uh, been there since 92, so I'm, I'm yeah, shocked Vinny's. to hear that anything's still there. Awesome. Hey, that's great. Uh, we've also we've also had a request too to uh, drive some traffic towards your all's kicks, uh, not Kickstarter, but uh, your all's um, Discord channel. So we can definitely put the link to that uh, for people to oh, get yeah, to as totally. well. Totally. All we need I don't think that. do we let people in our Discord channel, Dave? You let us in. You let us in. Develop our Discord channel, and there's yeah. the Starfighter Pilots channel. Yes, that's yeah, that's, that's the one. There goes the neighborhood. Okay. I don't no, know I don't, about the I, other one. Thanks. Pretty much. Now, I, now I'll try to get in. <laughs> you can try. You can try. It doesn't well, work. But. Folks, just to wrap up. Yeah, a we've, got, of, we've, got oh. a, we've got a Facebook. Oh, we've got Starfighter Inc. Facebook page. Uh, we've got a Starfighter Inc. Twitter. So, God, I sound like one of these idiots on uh, on the Colbert show, right? <laughs> I but was going to ask you those questions. I was going to ask you those questions uh, anyway. We usually ask where can people follow up with you guys, but you just kind of threw it out there on your own, which is great. Uh, <laughs> Starfighter Inc. on Facebook and Starfighter Inc. on Twitter. I think we right. we even have a screenshot Saturday that Dave's supposed to be in charge of. So we're just having <laughs> yeah. So Starfighter Inc. the coloring books. Starfighter Inc. the lunchbox. Merchandising. <laughs> hey, there I'm all go. about the merch, man. <laughs> uh, so, folks, just a fuck, couple of final programming notes. This Thursday, our multiplayer game is going to be Space Beast Terror Fright. We're continuing our scary, spooky sci-fi games. So uh, we're going to return to the friendly fire that is Space Beast Terror Fright. We love that freaking game. So I'm super excited about that. And next week on the podcast, uh, it's an early morning show because our guests are in Paris. We're going to be talking to some folks from Amplitude Studios about Endless Space 2 next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific time. So please Yeah, but the, but the interview will still be going in the evening because it's endless. Oh, nice. Ah, no, it's, joke. it's because I'll be apologizing for how much I, I didn't like the first game and yet loved every game they did after that. So well, I'll be just apologizing all day. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but again, Jack, David, 
Thank you so much for joining us. This has been just a thrill. Thank you guys for inviting us. Yeah, it's been a blast. And uh, we, fo- we'll have to do this again real soon. We will. Maybe when the kick- <laughs> we'll do one. We'll do one when the Kickstarter comes. out. I was going to say, last question: so. Do you have an idea of when the Kickstarter is coming out? I keep meaning to ask that. I'm sorry. Do you have an idea uh, of when? It, it's- we're yeah, very soon. Very soon. That's all. Very okay. soon. Yeah, <laughs> it's we're on that knife edge of a decision of whether it's really, really soon or a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, just let us know when it comes okay. out, and we'll do all the pimping we can for it. Absolutely. We will. Thank you guys so much. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will see you next week. Have a great night, everyone. Or or morning if you're in if you're in David's time zone. Yeah, I gotta get up in three hours. (laughs) Oh no. Thanks guys. (laughs) Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Let's have some music in here, boiler. Sure thing.